Welcome back, guys, to another episode of Business from the Bass Boat on the Serious Angler Network. Guys, tonight we've got an awesome show lined up. I wanted to first give a little bit of news here. So I will be fishing the Toyota Series on Lake of the Ozarks. I'm actually was supposed to leave tomorrow. This is we're recording here on a Wednesday. Uh, this will obviously go that Monday after. So I will be out next week, but excited for that. It's a frozen Lake of the Ozarks. Did well there last year when it was that cold, so hoping uh, to kind of repeat there. Uh, definitely could be different. I am missing out on the Classic with Andy and Bailey. Excited that they're going to be at the Classic in full force with that. So if you are going to the Classic, go say hi to them. Excited for that. And we have, um, of course, our fantasy fishing show related to the Classic and everything with that. Um, but without further ado, we are going to bring in a guy who is trying to change an issue that we definitely have as tournament anglers, especially at that national level, um, kind of that triple a level, I would call it. So I'm excited to bring in Luke with side pot fishing. Um, cool story. I saw some stuff about this flying around on Facebook and I, uh, messaged him and he had already been talking to, to Bailey about some different things on a show. And so I'm excited to get him on, on the business side and talk about kind of this whole idea. Let's go ahead and bring Luke in. Luke, how are you, man? I'm good, Adam. How are you? Doing well. I'm uh, trying to stay warm, but overall doing well here in Colorado. Yeah, man. I got the same problem as you over here. <laughs> yeah. And so are you, you're somewhere East Coast, right? I am. Yeah. I'm originally from New Jersey uh, right now, sort of living in Maryland. Uh, I spent most of last year really traveling around and fishing, not really living much of anywhere. But uh, I'm stuck up here until I can hopefully relocate down south somewhere. Man, I, I know that feeling. I have, uh, <laughs> I have an Excel file, of course, name of the show, Business from the Bass, but of like places where I would want to live based yeah. on fisheries and tournaments and all that stuff. So I, yeah. I completely uh, understand that side of things. Yeah, Tennessee is at the top of my list right now, but we'll see. Uh, we'll yeah. see where I end up. Heck yeah. That's uh, on with uh, the classic going there next year. My goal is to bring the girlfriend to the classic. And then also go. maybe take a little extra time and there go, go sell her on it. Uh-huh. That's, you got to do that. That's the, yeah. that's the name of the game. Yeah, no, that's, that's a cool place, but dude. So, um, well, first of all, uh, I'm excited, really excited to get you on a side pot fishing, but first I wanted to talk about kind of your background in fishing tournament fishing, everything with that. But where did it kind of start for you? uh, from a fishing side of things. And then where did it kind of turn into a tournament deal and, and, um, that kind of a route? Sure. Um, I've loved fishing ever since I was a little kid. Uh, I guess I need to thank my parents for initially getting me into it. Uh, I'm not really sure where the tournament bug originally started, but I know in nursery school, they asked me what I wanted to be. And I said a, a bass master. So obviously, uh, from a very young age, age, it was sort of ingrained there. Um, and I had pursued that route a lot, you know, after high school, I thought that's, you know, what I wanted to do. So found myself fishing some opens and Toyotas, which I guess were a coast series or whatever they called them back then. And was definitely underprepared and way over my head and sort of had to step back a few times and found myself dabbling in the opens and the Toyotas, um, over the past decade, really. Um, and last year I actually fished the NPFL, uh, as well as the central opens, um, and a bunch of other BFLs sort of traveling around the country, uh, at least giving it a legitimate shot at trying to do it full time. Yeah. Well, I think that that's an important thing that, uh, and, and I 
we were talking before the show there, talking about last week's show with RMP, but um, with Russell, and and I think that uh, there's there's a lot of that that goes on, and people don't realize it, especially. And this is the same kind of thing, right? Like I went from high, fishing in high school, fishing yeah. in college, to then uh, jumping into the Toyota series last year and being like wow, I don't, this is a lot and, and that kind of a thing and taking those steps back and you see some guys, a great example would be Spencer Sheffield, who was absolutely incredible angler. He took, he took a step back, right. And then mm-hmm. got kind of finances, figured out all that stuff and came back harder than ever. Um, talk a little bit about that, I guess, or, or those, some of those times where you had stepped back and then went forward. I mean, how did that kind of line up for you when you jumped out of that higher level of competition? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of routes to being a so quote unquote professional angler. Um, one of the ways is to do it on the water. Other ways are to sort of do it through the business aspect. And I think um, the closer you get to obtaining it, the more you realize that there's a lot of smoke and mirrors and things aren't really what they appear to be, at least as you're, you're coming up. Um, and it's really a more difficult task to, to do at a full time you know basis than I think people realize. So. Uh, a lot of these guys are, are business owners and have other sources of income and aren't really profiting as full-time anglers. So I think when you start to see that, you need to realize that you need at least some sort of backup plan or at least stabilize yourself uh, because we all know way too many people have gone broke or you know ruined relationships or all sorts of things trying to make this dream possible. So um, yeah. you know, I found that you know even co-angling is, is sometimes a great way to learn and until you really get the high paying sponsor, it's really a difficult thing to obtain. You know, you really can't do it off the turn of the winnings itself. So I agree. I agree. There's gotta be that, that balance. Um, and I think that right. You either have the route of a, and, and it's hard to compare to like the one percenters, right? Like the Polynix or right. the people, but I mean, they're the people that go all in when they're 19, right? Like there's, that's, that's a different situation because, you haven't started kind of these obligations later in life, or maybe you don't have the goals or you haven't had a job where you're like, Hey, wow, I actually get a paycheck here versus, you know, I mean, it's different when I think that one of the best things that laid out is I was talking to a buddy of mine who, who fishes around the country uh, and owns his own business. And he's like, the difference is I don't go into a job expecting like a, as we're talking about with side pot fishing, but a one in whatever chance to get paid. Like when I sign, when I go to work, it's like, I'm not taking the job and this is a 95% chance I'm going right. to get paid. <laughs> and, and in fishing, it's not that way. No, it's about a 20% chance that you're going to break even, <laughs> you know, 80% yeah. chance you're going to lose money. So exactly. You got to have those, those kind of systems in place, or like you said, build a business and, and have that or, or just be like a true statistical outlier or just an absolute freak on the water. So mm-hmm. exactly. I'm not one of them, clearly. <laughs> same with me, man. I'm the same way. No, I, I learned that a while ago. But uh, <laughs> but there is something to be said for the guy that stays in and, and works hard and, and figure, figures out a way to make it happen, too. So, yep. Yep. Sweet, man. Well, let's let's talk a little bit about uh, last year uh, for you. You said you jumped into the NPFL um they're about to kick off their stuff uh this week i believe and then uh some of the the bassmaster opens but what was that like actually jumping in i mean was that your first year of of full time i mean that realistically that's a full time season yeah it was and i really treated it that way um i had sort of sold my house and kind of cashed out and didn't really have any responsibilities 
Um, and I built a bed in the back of my suburban and pretty much just lived out of the truck. I mean, when I started to do the math on it, um, I think it's cheaper to almost stay fishing than it is to say drive back 12 hours to and from and spend all that gas money. You know, if you can sort of mitigate like the hotel costs and sort of your other living expenses. Yeah. Um, that's sort of coupled with the fact that I'm from the Northeast and I have a lot of experience up here, but my experience in say Florida, Texas, Alabama is all limited. Um, and that's where the heart of the industry is. So I felt like I really just needed to, to spend some time fishing those areas, even if I wasn't fishing tournaments specifically. So um, yeah. I fished the MPFL, I fished the opens, and then I sort of, uh, you know, penciled in the open weeks with BFLs and other tournaments uh, to just kind of go through the motions and learn the lakes. And I will say it was an absolutely great experience. Um, yeah. You know, I've always had the dream of, of being a pro. Um, and even if I spent more money than I won last year, uh, I still feel like I, I lived the dream as a, as a pro angler um, and got to really see what the lifestyle was, was absolutely like. So, yeah, man, zero, zero regrets about any of that. So I'm happy with the way it all worked out. Heck yeah. I think it's important to kind of to do that. And um, I think, too, in life, like it's like you almost uh, and, and, and again, this has nothing to do with with what you might do in the future professionally or, or whatever that becomes as an angler but like if you never try if that's your dream and you never go and try that thing you're always going to be stuck wondering and that's yeah. almost worse in my eyes of like if you do have your regular day job and you're just always thinking about what if i tried that and even if it fails at least you went and tried and right. i'm not yeah. saying you failed but you, you understand what i'm saying it's, it's yeah. like going and putting yourself in the ring yeah that's awesome. Yeah, um, I feel good about it. I mean, I finished 33rd Angler of the Year, you know, so I can say that I'm a yeah. slightly above average angler and not much more than that. But, uh, no, man, you know, great. at least I tried. So, No doubt. And uh, how was it? I mean, had you spent much time in the south or kind of central part of the country's fishing previous to that or mostly all up in the north? I started fishing down there a little bit more uh, maybe two or three years ago, uh, but not nearly as much as I had spent last year. No. Gotcha. Uh, I actually put, I'm pretty proud of it. I put 488 hours on my motor last year. Wow. Which for most people, that's about 10 years of use. So I see most of these guys that were pros and they're selling their boats and they have like 150 hours on yeah, it. Yeah, 180. And, yeah. You know, I'm like, how do you, how are you fishing full time and only putting 150 hours on your boat? But I was literally just fishing every day, you know? So that's awesome, man. I mean, I bet you learned, I mean, exponentially because of that. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. Just by fishing every day. That's wicked. Uh, Cause that's what you see like guides, right? Like you see guides boats that put 400 something hours on yeah. or that kind of a thing. But you're right. Like I see a lot of pros listing their boats and it's like 150 to 200 hours. Yeah. And then guys are talking about how they scanned all day and, you know, practice <laughs> dawn to dusk. And I'm like, oh, it doesn't add up, you know? Yeah. <laughs> right. And well, I mean, there's also kind of the phenomenon I think about like, when guys are coming up, there's there's definitely different types of anglers, right? Like there's guys who are John Cox and fish literally everything they can. Yeah. Um, and then you've got guys who are like, I do better when I focus on a series or like there's a lot of elite series guys, right? That have no aspirations to fish an additional open or right. whatever else. Like they're fishing nine tournaments. And, and like you said, I mean, I fished last year the most full time that I've ever fished. And that was a Toyota series, a ridiculous amount of team tournaments, but I was gone nine weeks out of the year and that's an elite series season. And I was like, yep. dang, that's kind of crazy. And it was hard for me to juggle work and, and kind of mix this combo up. But like, that's what got like the difference is some of those guys, I mean, like you said, created a business or if they got to that point where they're high enough, they're only fishing nine weeks out of the year. 
that's it sounds pretty good to me or as far as yeah. <laughs> like not having to do a bunch more outside obviously there's more to that but anyways fishing such terrible work <laughs> yeah exactly exactly um well that sounds like a great experience uh what are your kind of plans i know and we will get into side pot and everything uh for this or, or your new startup but what is your plans for this season fishing wise if you've got any yeah, I'm, a, I'm registered for the Northern Opens as a boater. Uh, of course, I'd love to make the Elite Series, but we all know just how difficult and daunting of a task that really is. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I'm going to try, just like everyone else. Um, I might jump in a couple Toyota Series or local BFLs, um, but I think my objective more is to sort of push the business and uh, fish other events, sort of maybe other areas of the country where I don't have as strong as, of a network to sort of build that presence um, so I'm actually fishing my first tournament of the year this upcoming weekend. I'm going to Lake Lanier uh, for a BFL, uh, which is somewhere I've never fished. I really don't know a whole lot of people, uh, but I'm looking forward to, you know, shaking a lot of hands and introducing myself to to a lot of people and letting them know at least that I'm the, the face of the business. Um, yeah. So pretty much still fishing as, as much as I can. Um, yeah. I will say that I'm always trying to expand. And I think last year taught me that there's a lot to learn sort of outside of your comfort zone. So I've grown unenthused by fishing in the region where I'm most accustomed to. So I like going new places. And I think that that's the best way to sort of push the envelope and really like push the learning curve and and try and better yourself as an angler. So no doubt, no doubt. I think that's really important. I think a lot of guys get stuck fishing their same, their same areas, but, uh, and it's just a cool experience. You meet a bunch of, it is, bunch of really really cool people on the road and um guys chasing it and and yeah. uh good people it seems anyways yeah everyone does things differently you learn something regardless so mm-hmm. exactly exactly um as far as i guess let's just let's just get right into to side pot itself i mean where did this idea stem and how long did it take? I'm curious just because I think your website is awesome and everything right now with side pop, but where did it all start? And then how long did it take to actually launch it? Yeah. Um, it started a few months ago, um, really with just my own frustrations, um, looking at schedules, thinking about, you know, what I was going to fish this year and what options there are. And you start to do the math on some of these tournaments and most of the big options out there are between 70 and 80% payback, sometimes even lower. Uh, I don't want to get too specifics because I haven't done every single piece of math out there, but most of them are in that range. Um, And when you start to factor in the the travel expenses, rising gas prices, just the cost of fishing in general, I mean, it really becomes a poor financial decision to fish a lot of these tournaments. I mean, you have to look at it as almost just like disposable income rather than Mm -hmm. any sort of investment or that you're going to win it back. Because really, if you do fairly well and you finish in the top 10% of the field, you're only getting enough to cover your expenses. So, you know, a tournament with a hundred people really has like three guys that are actually going home with any sort of profit or money. So, um, you know, I, I just sort of got frustrated with the options that were available um, and I thought that there had to be like a better alternative. Um, so I sort of got to thinking and, and had the concept in my head. Um, and then one day just sort of woke up and decided to take some actions. So, yeah, yeah. And, and that's such a true thing. Um, when you did break down the percentages of paybacks, um, and, and it's different too, right? If there's additional contingencies like qualifying for the elite series right. or a championship, right. there's, 
there's different uh side deals in there but on a just a strict per tournament basis you're right the majority of the time it's a 70 to 80 percent payback i think the only um side note there would be some smaller team trails where there's a a good payback generally or or there's a situation that's similar to and we'll get into what side pot exactly is but where you can throw additional um 100 money back or close to that um right sort of a situation uh and and as we were talking earlier those one percenters those crazy guys with natural talent it's a different game than with everyone else like if they're always going to be in that 10 percent, and sometimes they're going to be in the one percent it's a different route than everyone else looking at odds going into a tournament um but let's get into exactly what it is i mean i think it's got a perfect name it is exactly what it is but but how does side pot work uh, side pot, I try to make it as simple as possible. I try to alleviate some of those like barriers of entry and those obstacles that really just, you know, tick you off as a customer or maybe like dissuade you from doing something. So side pot is pretty simple in the sense that you can go on to the website. Uh, it's on a per tournament basis. It's not for a particular trail or a division. And you pretty much purchase your entry to the side pot. Um, everything is organized by tournament trail and then division and then individual date. So you pretty much just purchase an item, add it to your cart. And then when you purchase the item, I get all of your information, like your shipping info and whatnot. And then I add that into my database where if you're the winner, for example, I have a way to contact you and then, you know, mail you your check. Very cool. And so, and so really it's a, it's a way to increase your percentage payback. Again, you have to do well against the other people who are in the side pot, but you throw in X amount of dollars based on if it's a Toyota series, a BFL, whatever level of fishing you're in. And then you're competing against the other, it's a contingency program, right? As, right. Far, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Yeah. It's really no different than any other contingency program. You're competing within a, in a smaller group within a larger group. And whoever is the highest placing finisher within that smaller group uh, would win the prize. So for example, we've had someone finish in 40th place and win the side pot. Um, even people who finish in say 20th or, th- or 15th place, uh, usually their side pot check ends up being bigger than their actual tournament check is. Wow. So I get, I could especially see that. Like, I mean, BFLs are a great example, right? Like obviously there's incentive there to make the BFL all American, but that's also a really tough shot, but you have, uh, generally speaking a low payout unless you're a Phoenix boat owners or, or that mm-hmm. kind of a situation overall, the way it's structured. And some people are happy with that. Some people aren't, it's your choice to fish it or not, but with side pot, right. It gives you that additional uh, chance if you want to buy in. It, it does. I think it really changes like say the, the BFL price point in particular, because that's a, a, a tournament level where you could win three to $6,000 generally, uh, maybe up to 13 if you own a Phoenix boat. But mm-hmm. now, you know, if, if we get good participation, you're looking at winning an additional four to $8,000 with the side pot in addition to the three to six that you'd be making with the BFL, um, which brings you up to about $14,000 for a Saturday tournament. And then, you know, if you own a Phoenix, you could potentially win $20,000 on a Saturday uh, for what would only be a $300 entry fee total. Uh, yeah. 200 for the main tournament and then a hundred for the side pot. So, yeah, well, it gives it, it gives a guys, um, 
who are interested in, in competing in, in that, an additional option. And like you said, I mean, especially like at the BFL, it's, it's your local derby. It's um, you're already spending 200 on the entry fee. It's another hundred. And uh, it's that lower level, right. Uh, of a, of a um, entry fee, but it's still got a great payout. Yeah. I think a lot of guys, um, when they talk about what they're investing in a tournament, they look at the entry fee and they say, oh, well, I'm spending $200 in this tournament. Well, when you factor in, you know, the gas, the lodging, all these other expenses, you're spending, say, $600 to win potentially $3,000. Mm-hmm. So now you can invest $700 instead of $600 and basically double your winnings. So you're looking at like, you know, 10 to 20 percent more investment generally with up to 100 percent more potential revenue. So from a business standpoint or from a, a number standpoint, it's kind of a no brainer when you start to break it down. Yeah. Now, granted, it's a little different if you're fishing the tournament just to say qualify for that next level and you're not really in it for the money per se. But, mm-hmm. you know, I think whether it's guys egos or their pockets, you know, they're in it for the money. So at least at least half of them are at least half of them. That's right, man. I like that. No, I mean, like ROI, right? Like return on investment. If you're looking at it as an investment, I think you're right. I think a lot of guys- This is the absolute smartest, best ROI you can get in tournament fishing at 90% on your money. Yeah. So so that's the payback is is 90%, right? 90%, yep. And then I'm uh, I'm eating the credit card fees on my end. So I have to pay all those fees, but I'm not charging them to the consumer because I just know that that's irritating. And then it sort of throws off your- your 90% number. So then it would, then it would be less. So sure. And there's no memberships or anything like that. So um, some of them have actually been paying out higher just to sort of a novelty, just to sort of get the business going, but yeah, 90% minimum always guaranteed. Very cool. Very cool. So that 90% always guaranteed is going back to the anglers, which is an incredible payout compared to your average tournament. Um, and then that 10%, obviously, like you said, credit card fees, your time, all this stuff with side pot, that's the part that side pot's taken, correct? Correct. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. I have to do all, you know, all the tax work. Anyone who wins over $600, you know, you have to submit a W9 to me and then I'll send you a 1099 at the end of the year, just like any other tournament circuit. I mean, it's fully legitimate in that sense. So, yeah, yeah, no doubt that it's, it's administrative stuff. Um, and then obviously building out the website, talking to people on the phone, calling. I, I, yeah, I think that's completely fair. Um, and I think it's, it's necessary. Uh, as far as the current circuits right now, obviously we are in the heat of it. Derbies are starting up. We've got Toyota series going on, everything going on. What tournaments are available for side pot currently? So I currently have it built out for the BFLs, all, I believe 22 divisions, um, all of the Toyota series, all of the Bassmaster Opens, uh, boater and co-angler divisions for all of those. I've had quite a few questions so far. Some people seem to are, be uncertain if the boaters and the co-anglers are in the same category. They're different categories, different payouts, just like the tournaments themselves. Um, I do anticipate within the next week to be branching out pretty heavily into the kayak sector. I've already had uh, a couple requests for that, and I think that that's just like a perfect lineup. Um, I've already built it for the ABA New York division because I've had some of those guys inquire and I know that there's some interest for some of these team trails, but I have not set it up on the website yet. Gotcha. Very cool. Yeah. Um, now obviously the co-angler boater side, it's just the same principle 
just the co-anglers are, are maybe paying a little bit less because their entry fees less, but it's the yep. same situation. You're just, you're just bought, you're at, you're adding into your side pot. Trying to it is. Yeah. For the BFL, I left it a hundred dollar entry fee for both the boaters and the co-anglers. Okay. Um, you know, I just felt like as a co-angler, you still have a lot invested. I mean, people want to talk about how that's the more affor- affordable route, but you know, you're still traveling, you're still spending all these other like miscellaneous expenses. So, Okay. And the side pot becomes really significantly larger than the main pot when you start to look at some of the example payouts. Um, yeah, so I think as a co-angler, I think it's even a better deal, you know? Yeah, for sure. Well, what I might do real quick here, let's see if I can share my screen. Just with the website, I wanted to pull up kind of some of the example payout. Let's see. Not like Bailey with this. I don't 100% have it all figured out. There we go. Okay. Share this window. So we've got our side pot here, website. Yeah. So our, our buy-ins uh, for the NPFL, uh, 500. Same with the Opens uh, and Toyota Series, out, all on the boater side. Yeah, um, I have gotten some feedback on that. I mean, guys, feel free to shoot me a DM or contact me some, some way. Uh, had yeah. some people tell me they think it should be $300 on the boater end, not $500. Hmm. But, yeah. you know, I feel like still, you know, at a, at a $1,700 or $1,800 tournament, you're there for over a week. You know, guys, $500 really isn't a lot compared to your $3,000 overall investment. So, sure, sure. I think I mean, it'll just take some time, but we will see. Yeah, yeah. And, and like you said, you can adjust and, and, and you're taking guys' feedback. So, um, now I'm going to look at the example payouts here. So if we can get, here we go. All right. Nice. You got a little, what is that like a Husky jerk in the background there? What yeah. Something like that. <laughs> I like it, man. Uh, <laughs> so on the boater side, based on 200 entries in a open, a Toyota series or the NPFL, you're looking at an additional $40,000 payout, which is crazy. Which is pretty much the same as the first place payout, you know, in an open, except with, a third of the entry fee, basically. Literally. Less than a third of the entry fee. Gotcha. And and uh, obviously, based on 100, and, and that number is going to go down. If you've only got 50 guys, right, that number obviously would be decreased for that specific tournament. But the right. goal is to eventually try and get as many guys uh, as possible at these events. Yeah, I think realistic goal is 50% participation. Uh, I think it could be higher than that. But look, I've had some smaller sample sizes. If you have nine boaters getting an event, it's pretty easy to win a tournament with nine guys, right? Well, first place is $810. You know, $810 in a BFL is is pretty much, what, third place or better? Yeah. Which means you have to beat 150 guys to win that same amount of money. So, you know, even on a small sample size, I think it's worth it for guys. Yeah, well, that's kind of a cool deal too, right? Um, those smaller sample sizes, it, you could just run it with, I mean, not just run it, but like you could have your house of buddies with that, right? It's kind of like your small your small group trying to compete against um, extra extra on top of it. You could, and, and I found it to be like, I'm a fan now because I see who's entered in it and I'm watching these guys to see who's going to weigh in what on day one versus day two and you know who's going to beat who and you know, it's just ironic sometimes, people. We had someone today uh, finish 39th and 40th, respectively, in the Toyota series. No so way. Four ounces apart is what uh, is what's going to take home the side pot. So that's really cool. It's just funny how that works. 
Yeah. And, and, and so is it always paid to five places or does that? No. So it, it's paid to, it's paid just uh, the top spot up to 10. So nine and under is one spot. Okay. And then from 10 to 24, I'm paying three spots and then over 25, we're paying five spots. Um, I could see us adjusting in the future um, to pay maybe 10 spots at over 50 or a hundred. Sure. We'll worry about that when we get there. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Um, I'm curious, have you had any pushback from organizations at this point? I mean, like you said, I think it's a contingency program, but has anyone reached out and said, hey, what are you doing here? Uh, I have not. Um, I wouldn't be surprised maybe if there's some chatter, but at the end of the day, it is nothing more than a contingency program. Um, And it's also good for the organizations because it's another incentive or reason for people to compete in their tournaments. You know, I'm not a competitor in the sense that I'm trying to steal individuals away from their tournaments. I want people to fish their tournaments. So, you know, for me, this gives people extra incentive to fish an open, to fish a BFL, to fish a Toyota series. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, no, it's and and it's uh, as far as like, um, it's not considered gambling because you're betting on your i mean you're not betting but you're you're it's for yourself right or like how does i mean i'm just curious from a legal standpoint like how did you kind of think this through or is there even any concern there um i think there's some maybe initial concern when you look at it but it's really no different than running a fishing tournament right so we're just running a fishing tournament except you're paying me through a website and you know it's run online so i really don't see any, any difference there um mm-hmm. if you had the ability to say place a side bot for someone else or you know pay someone's buy-in anticipating them winning or some sort of agreement then that's like a gray area that might be considered gambling but you know what we're doing now i'm not really worried about it yeah yeah no i get that um with with the website again i think it's like done pretty well how I, I, did you i'm just curious on on the back end of your side of stuff yeah did you kind of do some of this? Did you hire this out? Like just from a completely man, uh, I'm like a very hands-on person. I don't care if it's like mechanical housework, car work. Like I try and do everything myself and the business really hasn't been any different. Uh, I did all the stuff on the legal end as far as like getting the LLC and, and all the business and banking stuff. I got all that straight. And then I built the website myself. Um, it took a lot of time. It wasn't that difficult. I'm not super tech savvy, but you know, I know my way around a computer and really just try to make it as simple as possible because, you know, with the angling community, not everyone is as hip to the trends and, you know, <laughs> on their smartphone. So, you know, yeah. I wanted, I wanted the old guy to be able to figure it out on his own. Yeah. Heck yeah, man. And, and I, I think we succeeded with that. And I, I think it's pretty, you know, it's pretty simple and, you know, no membership, no credit card fees, no tax, nothing like that. So nice. Pretty nice. clean. Yeah. Clean and easy. I like that. And I like everything's up front. Hey, it's 90% payback. You aren't having to like calculate what you're getting paid. Um, and, and one thing that I, I thought of, like you said, first thing I thought of when you thought of this or when you brought this up was the kayak stuff. I don't do any of the kayak stuff. Bailey does. I talk to him about it all the time and I agree. I think it's a perfect niche uh, deal there because all their stuff is online. It's all with apps. Anyways, everything is, there's no weigh in, right? Like it's all, it's all already that way. And I feel like it'd be an easy, um, just an additional thing for kayak guys to do. Yeah, I, I think it's pretty easy. I mean, I think the hard part was sort of building the system and, and 
you know, laying the foundation there. And I think it's pretty easy to expand on it from here. Uh, the biggest thing is just sort of building my network and then also just building the trust. Um, I yeah, feel like I have trust. a fair amount of connections and know a fair amount of people, uh, but not necessarily all over the country. You know, some divisions, I don't have as strong a presence as others, and it's going to be hard to sort of get them started. Um, I've had a few people, you know, message me, DM me, the business account, my personal account, like, you know, how do I know this is legit? You know, which is a, a totally real concern for something that's that's a brand new business that you're sending money to that doesn't really have a track record. You know, now I have some results on my website, so you can you can see it a little better. But yeah, you know, I have no answer to that other than here's my track record. Here's where I'm going. You know, I'm fishing a BFL next week on Lanier. The next week I'm on Norman. I'll be at the Classic. You know, you can come shake my hand. I'm not hiding from anyone. Um, I've seen plenty of crooks in this business, um, but I'm not one of them. So. Yeah. No, I think that that's, uh, that's probably to me, like the, the biggest hindrance, right. Is like, it is a, it is a straight cash, not cash, but obviously a situation where you are literally sending money to somebody. Yeah. And it is. And, and like you said, there's that concern there. So I think it's a good idea from an attack standpoint on your end of building face-to-face -face personal relationships and saying, look, here's the results. Here's the guys that have done it. Here's maybe some reviews of guys who have had success with this. And right. uh, no, I think that's a good way to go about it because you're yeah, right. I'm not hiding from anyone. I want to be as transparent as possible. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, as far as with the NPFL, I'm sure traveling last year, you had, uh, met with a bunch of guys. Um, I mean, have you reached out to these guys on this and, and do you, um, anticipate some success from, from the NPFL guys inside pot? Um, I haven't focused there too much. I have talked to some of them and I have had mm -hmm. some of them reach out to me. Um, I think there's definitely interest there. Uh, I think with their first event on Cumberland and the changing conditions, I don't think anyone's too, uh, too confident in whatever they have going on where they want to get in the side pot. Yeah. Um, but I do anticipate there, there being some traction there um, towards the end of the year. Once again, when you look at, you know, your ROI, why would you not do it? You know, so. Exactly. And, and uh, when is the cutoff to sign up? Because that's an interesting thought when you said with, with practice and stuff, because what if I'm a guy, right, where I'm like, like, for instance, I'm headed and this will go Monday. I'll definitely already be there practicing. But yeah. so we're at a series of Lake of the Ozarks and I'm like, Oh man, like I found them. Like, and of course, everyone right, knows right. that that's not necessarily guaranteed, but it's the last day of practice. Can I still sign up or how does that kind of work? Yeah. So I, I built the business and my original structure and concept was that three days before the tournament, you would have to register. And then I would close registration on, say, a Wednesday night for a Saturday tournament. Okay. That means the majority of your practice, you really wouldn't know. Um, mm hmm. What I found, though, is that just getting going, um, I don't have the people or the network to have to sign up in advance like that. So I've been temporarily extending registration until the night before, until midnight the night before. And we're probably going to operate like that for the next few weeks, I would think, yep. um, until we really get the word out and people start signing out and signing up in advance. Um, but right now, I don't have the following to close registration three days beforehand. So in the meantime, you're able to use that to your advantage. And that's definitely something that we, you know, are open to feedback about. Um, I think yeah. it goes both ways. You know, you can use it to your advantage or disadvantage. So for sure, it levels the playing field a little more. Um, if we close it on, say, Wednesday beforehand, 
-hmm. but I also know what the average fisherman is like and they wait till the last minute to do everything. (laughs) And there would be a bunch of guys Wednesday evening at, you know, 1am blowing up my phone. So a hundred percent. No, that's exactly right. I was thinking that too. It's like, well, if I was being advanced, like, I mean, think about how much time and prep and everything you've got to do to leave. You might, you forget, you know, so until it becomes routine and you just sign up for the tournament and then sign up for the side pot sort of automatically, I think we're going to sort of just adapt and, and, extend it until until the night off yeah i like that i like that well and i like to um man that you're open to feedback right like this this game is so much um uh organizations and anglers and this and that yeah. and, and having i that am an angler man i mean that's openness. really all it is is to it and this was just stem from you know just angler frustrations and concerns and, and how to make it better you know this is an angler based and angler focused concept uh which is great because i don't feel like i'm selling anyone anything you know like of course i have to solicit you to tell you about my idea but it's something that's helping you you know i'm not trying to sell you some plastic worms so i'm trying to put some cash in your pocket yeah yeah it's a win-win that's awesome um man i am uh, i'm excited to kind of see just over time how this uh how this all expands because i think that the really cool part with everything is that like you said, once the technology is in place and you have a system and you have the trust and you have guys used to it, I mean, what's to say you can't expand it, expand it out west, man? I mean, like at least out out our way, um, I fish some of the western stuff and then I fish yeah. stuff in the central part. But like the ABA, the American Bass Association ABA out here is a, is a big deal, and I fish a lot of those. But then you also have like Juan Bass, and you have right. these other organizations that they get a good amount of boats where I think guys would be interested, especially because one thing that I've always thought of is in tournament fishing, there's like three levels of payments in my eyes. There's like your BFLs, like hundred, two hundred dollar entry fees. You have then the Toyota series opens level, like your 1700 to $2,000 entry fees, um, which is a big jump there. I mean, you're talking, you're talking a big gap. And, yeah. then, and then you have your elite level, your BPT, kind of that $5,000 range um, where things get get pricey. And I believe, what was the MPFL entry fee? 5000 5000 same, same range. Yeah. yeah, exactly, where you got that heavy entry fee. So this kind of gives another option for those in-betweens. Like I've always said, I love how a lot of team tournaments are like a 500 or a $1,000 entry fee yeah. because it's in-between, right? It's not your BFL right. where you're like, and even if I win with all these boats, I'm not winning that much with outside pot. And then you have then that next level, and that's a big jump. I mean, you're going from spending, you know, your, like you said, after your hotel expense, fuel, all that, maybe you're 500 bucks on the weekend, 600 bucks on the weekend, to now you're at, oh man, $2,000 entry fee plus a bunch of practice. You're looking at three grand yeah. in expenses for the week. And that's going from 500 to three grand. That's a tough jump for a lot of guys who are not full time, fully engaged in this. Yeah, I agree. It's uh, it adds like a nice in between there. It, it elevates the level of competition, and it you know it takes a Bassmaster Open, which you could win fifty grand in now. Where I'm expecting us to get pretty good participation in those. If we get two hundred people to sign up, uh, you're now winning ninety thousand dollars for first place, which is as much as pretty much any other pro tour. And you will have invested seventeen hundred for your main entry fee and another five hundred in your side pot. So for twenty two hundred dollars, you could in theory win. $90,000, which would be, you know, better ROI than any of those other pro tours we mentioned. Yeah. 
Yeah, no doubt. Um, uh, it's it's a really cool concept to me, and and I'm excited to to follow it along. And um, really, really good idea, man. I like it Thank because you. It's, Thank it's, you. Helping, it's helping anglers, and that's it the, is. It that's is. the goal. That's always the goal. Um, well, dude, how we kind of like to wrap up every show. Well, first off, what's the best way to get folks to to I guess if folks are interested inside pot fishing, yep. where are your platforms currently? What's the best way to get a hold of you? Sure. I think the website uh, would be the number one spot to go to sidepotfishing.com. Uh, we also have an Instagram and a Facebook where I share most things over there and do some more daily updates. Uh, sidepotfishing at gmail.com is my email and my personal cell phone number is 609-220-0075. Nice. I'm not hiding from anyone. <laughs> personal numbers out there. Spam yeah. callers, everybody. Yeah. Get after yeah. it. I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Anglers, though. No, that's that's great, man. Um, it's good to be able to talk on the phone to people in today's world, especially yeah. with a, an online kind of style business. Sure, sure. Um, well, with everything that you've done to build this to this point, uh, what's your biggest advice to somebody building a business in today's world in the fishing industry? I mean, you've had some experience traveling the country with the NPFL, all this stuff. Through your experience this far, and obviously this is in your first season with all this, but what's kind of your uh, what's your takeaway to say if someone was looking to build something, what would you what would you tell them? Uh, probably just take it one step at a time. Um, but you know, take that first step. I think it's difficult. I think I've had other good ideas in the past um, where I've just been maybe too timid or afraid or thought, ah, you know, maybe not. But I think you really just need to sort of take that leap of faith. And uh, once you get that feedback and enough people tell you it's a good idea, uh, you need to just get fully invested. So, you know, I'm pretty much working on this deal all day, every day at this point. Um, and I'm going to continue to until uh, until I see otherwise. Heck yeah, man. All in. I like it. Yeah, I think that's a good piece of advice. I think a lot of people sit on something forever. I know I sat on creating a podcast for five, six months and I was like, yeah. all right, time to actually do this thing. And it's intimidating, uh, but the technology now makes it, it makes it easier than ever really. So yeah. And you the can learn out there. Yeah. Yeah. And the platforms are there. No, for sure. All right. Well now your three biggest large mouth, spotted bass, small mouth, where you were when you caught them and what you caught them on. Sure. Uh, eight pound large mouth. Uh, nice. I caught that on Sheer and Harris. The only day I ever fished there in my life. That's North Carolina, uh, right? That's North Carolina, yeah. Uh, I caught that on a DT-10 crankbait. No way. Cool. Um, I've never caught that many giant smallmouths because I haven't spent as much time at like uh, Lake Ontario, Thousand Island. Yeah. But yeah. Probably like a five-pounder on Lake Champlain on a Super Spook Junior. Yeah. Heck yeah. And spots, I don't have a ton of experience with spotted bass. Probably a three-and-a-half on Lewis Smith Lake on a chatterbait gotcha when okay. the water was flooded up shallow nice nice well you're about to be headed what you said linear right so yeah so i think i might break that three and a half <laughs> yeah you'll probably break that one there man that's awesome i've always i like those big spots they they're, yeah they pull such pretty they're fish pulled. yeah and they're feisty um champlain man that's a a dream of mine i think i'm going to try and fish the toyota series this year probably as a co-angler and just fly cool. out there but nice. that uh that place, man. I mean, I, I don't know. It just looks incredible to me. It is. It's, it's, uh, it's not like shooting fish in a barrel, but it, it's yeah. incredible. Yeah. I just like the concept of, of 
having both the large mouth and the small mouth play yeah. in derbies. I love places where that kind of happens. I feel like I've always struggled. I love that element, but uh, it, it adds a whole other like decision making aspect to it. Then you sort of have to, you know, develop a game plan either based upon the species or both of them. And I don't know. I always seem to make the wrong decision. <laughs> yeah, gets too many variables in there. I get yeah. that. Well, I mean, you also have what the, the other deal with that, right? Is the run, right? Ty. Conderoga is like 90 miles away or something or how far is that isn't it uh, i think it's probably 60 it might even be a little less than that it, it's like an hour run if it's flat calm which it never is right. um and that honestly from what i've seen doesn't play as much as it has in uh previous say, maybe 10 years ago so yeah. i don't i think the smallmouth fishing has gotten better i think they've gotten bigger uh but i also think the fishing in general size in ticonderoga has deteriorated a little bit well it's probably because all the derbies take them and so yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a long swim back. <laughs> a long swim back. I don't know how many are coming back. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, are you normally there a smallmouth or a largemouth guy? I guess uh, I I'm, I'm, I'm a large largemouth guy. I really don't mesh too well with the smallies. I'll fish for them if I have to. But I grew up fishing tidal rivers. I love the current. I love the water moving oh, up and down. Okay. Uh, Chesapeake Bay, Potomac River, Delaware River, that type of stuff. So. Man, get ready. You got the you said you you're in the Northern Opens, correct? I am, yep. Yeah. I'm uh I'm excited for that one on the Chesapeake. I'm actually a mile away from the boat ramp right now as we're oh man podcast. So there you go. Yeah. So can you can you enter into side pop? Because so that would be interesting. That, that is interesting, and I've actually consulted some other people. Um, there isn't really a conflict of interest when you think about it, because it's not like I could I could cheat, right? Because I'd have to it's cheat in, tournament. in the tournament, right? Yeah, sure. Um, but it might not look good if I'm winning my own side For pot. Sure. I've had some people say. For sure. Know? So maybe that that's like on an individual basis to start. But uh, you know, I want to I want to compete in my own side pot. I'll tell you that. Yeah, that's I was gonna cool. say. <laughs> I wish, I wish we had. Not even because I think I'm going to win it, but just because I think it's the best deal out there. So, yeah, I like that, man. I like that. Well, if we, if you get down the road, way down the road, and there is a gambling aspect of it, be a good pick in the opens. I, I'd, I'd pick you on the side. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Title. At least, All right. at least for that one on the bay, maybe not the other two. <laughs> I, I'm with you. I'm with you. No, well, very cool, man. Well, I wish you the best of luck with all this. I'm excited to follow it along and uh, see how everything goes. May jump in myself on some of this. I think it's a great, great yeah, thing. You better sign up for Lake of the Ozarks next I week. I know, dude. I know. Well, now that I know that, especially how you have until that last day, I'm like, yeah. we'll good. see how practice is, right? On myself 20 pounds. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Oh, man. And, and like fishermen, I'm like, the boat's not even ready to go. I've got yeah. a day to get ready. It's just always last minute. But anyways, um, Luke, thanks for coming on, man. I appreciate the time and everything related to side pot. I'm excited with all that. Wish you the best of luck in the opens, the Northern opens this year. Um, there's a slight chance I may be up at Oneida during that open and may cool. fish it just as a co. If nice. I am, I'll absolutely, uh, track you down, say hi, grab a beer or something. Awesome. Uh, but man, thanks for coming on and, uh, I appreciate your time tonight. All right. Thank you, Adam. Absolutely, man. Well, that was an awesome show. Hope you guys enjoyed it. If you can and your app allows it, please leave us a rating and review. It really helps us get seen more, which allows us to access more time and more variables to be able to bring to the show to make it better for you guys. 
So hope you enjoyed it. And if you did and you like some of the things we talked about in this episode and want to check out our show partners, all of that is in every single show description. You can click down there. It's got all of our discount codes, all of our links to our show partners where you guys can go and support the people that support this show and help us make this show happen. And of course, this show does not happen without you guys. You guys know we appreciate you. You're the Searsanga fam. You're the reason we're here. Appreciate y'all, and we'll see y'all on the next one.